Last week I had the honor and privilege of being in Lincoln, Nebraska for my friend's ordination of the priesthood. And just this afternoon he called me, kind of check up on things and see how things were going. And, and, uh, and he asked me, he said, dude, when does it sink in? When does it sink in that you're actually a priest? It was really, really, really beautiful because he was just telling me how, how amazing it's been just kind of being a father for, for just a week and how, he'll, how he would say Mass, which is a mind-blowing experience, especially for a new priest. And then after Mass, he would, he would save the host and he would do adoration with, with, with the host that he consecrated. And he goes, bro, I just stare at my hands the whole time. I'm just fascinated what these things can do. And it's true, I mean, my goodness, it's just amazing for a new priest to just soak it all in. Which meant that whenever he asked that question, when does it sink in? I told him, dude, it doesn't. It never sinks in. It never actually, it never actually dawns on you. It never actually, like, it's never really something that I, I myself have ever really fully grasped. The fact that I'm a priest of Jesus Christ. The fact that I'm a priest of God. But I said, like, look. What I'll tell you is this, it may not sink in, but what can happen to us is we can become overly familiar with it. To the point where we see, you know, my, my, myself, Father Pelosi, Father just kind of being my first name, something I don't even think about. You can see Mass is just something that I do, something that's not really much, much to it. And there are many times, and as I was sharing with him, and as it was, there's many times where I look back on my own first few weeks of priesthood and long for them. Long for that fascination to say the Mass for the first time. Long for that unbelievable astonishment that I can absolve sins with my mere words. Long for that, that just that, that sensation that all of this is brand spanking new. I told him that this is what the priesthood is all about. Cherishing this honeymoon phase for as long as you possibly can. Because the fact of the matter is, is as you move on, you, just, you, you tend to fall into a, an illusion of familiarity. And this happens to us all the time, not just with the priesthood. How many of you have been married? You know, we call that the honeymoon phase or the first six months of marriage or maybe just like the first few weeks of marriage. You're just absolutely amazing. And then after that, you realize that you married your partner and you're like, oh, man, he's still a human being. This is really annoying. You know, I remember or like whenever you're whenever you're a kid or, you know, you get your first girlfriend like I did. And I was like, man, we're going to get married. This is going to be so awesome. This is going to be so delightful. And the next day she breaks up with you. Now that actually happened to me. Maybe it did. But, you know, you live and learn. Right. That's why I'm a priest today. No, just kidding. <laughs> it was a little bit more discernment that went into that. Maybe a contributing factor. But. The point being is that there's, there's these times where we experience these, these, these illusions that, the, that our desires in life will fulfill our heart. And then as time goes on, they just begin to fade, and we begin to actually start to handle it in, in a bunch of different ways, some healthy, some not. And I've really realized there's three ways in which we can handle kind of the fading of, of our honeymoon phases, kind of the fading of our, of our, of our full hearts, our full desires, the first way is kind of like the young at heart way. I guess some people might call it the millennial way. It's kind of a, it's, a it's, it's, it's an idea of like, okay, so I've gotten this high from this one experience. I've gotten this fulfilling, this fulfilling feeling from this one desire. Let me go get more of it. Let me go get more of it. Let me go get more of it. And it begin, begins to kind of be like a kind of a drug addictive kind of way of doing things. I think it's a big reason why, why we tend to like watch Netflix so much. Okay, wow, that episode was awesome. Let me watch another, let me watch another, let me, to the point where it just kind of becomes stale, and then we just feel like awful afterward. 
That's one way of doing things, just kind of recognizing, yes, that was an awesome experience. Let me just go and get more. And so what can tend to happen is it can kind of lead to a a culture or an idea of non-commitment. Like, yeah, I'll do this thing, this job, this career, maybe even this marriage, this relationship for a little while until it doesn't make me happy anymore, then I'm done. Then I'm just going to go move on to something else. Because obviously, if it doesn't make me happy, then I've clearly made a mistake. And that's not exactly the Christian way of doing things. It's not the Christian way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it, aside from the Christian way, is what I would call, I guess you could say, the curmudgeon way. The idea like, ah, look, that experience, yeah, honeymoon phase, that wasn't real. That was all fake. That was just in your head. Oh, you look, that idea that, 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 that you know, marriage, your marriage would be beautiful? No, let's be, let's be realistic. It's not really all that pretty. It's going to be rough. It's going to be hard. The idea that, that this new relationship is going to be going to be out of this world? Not true. And what that kind of mentality is, is it might be a mentality of commitment, but it's not a mentality of joy. It's not a, men- a mentality of happiness. And it's not even, I would dare say, a mentality of reality. The fact of the matter is, is you had these great experiences. The fact of the matter is, is my friend is on cloud nine because he's a priest. And that's real. That's real. And I would say that he's actually seeing things for what they really are. He's actually seeing the priesthood for what he really is. Why? Because he's handling that desire, that wonderful experience, that joy in a Christian way. The Christian sees and experiences these things and instead of just, instead of consuming them and going to the next thing, or instead of dismissing them and downplaying them, the Christian cherishes these experiences and cherishes these desires. Not because the Christian craves desire, but because the Christian recognizes that there's more desires to be fulfilled. This is what I mean whenever I, I when it, whenever, this, is, this is kind of how C.S. Lewis puts it all. He says that creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. So, for instance, a baby feels hunger and food exists. An otter wants to swim and so water exists. A man and a woman has the urge to procreate and so storks exist to bring them babies. (laughs) Thank God for those storks, right? But the thing is, these things actually exist so that our desires can be fulfilled. But what C.S. Lewis points out, in my opinion, so brilliantly is this. If I find in myself a desire in which no experience in this world can satisfy, which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I am made for another world. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, The most probable explanation is that I am made for another world. The fact of the matter is, is our hearts are always restless until they rest in God. Our hearts are always restless, even amongst the the most miraculous of happenings, the greatest greatest instances of falling in love, the greatest greatest meals, the greatest instances of fellowship. our, our, Our hearts are always restless. And that's why this event that we celebrate is so beautiful. Because as you begin to recognize that you and I are not meant for this world, the ascension shows us the way to get to the next world. To get to the world that is not here and now. The ascension is the crowning event of Christ's life. And it's the revelation 
of our destiny. Very often we hear about the resurrection, the resurrection, the resurrection, which is fantastic. What the resurrection shows is a defeat of death. But the fact of the matter is, if you and I are honest, a defeat of death isn't what we crave. We don't just crave to live forever. Honestly, I think a lot of us would dread living forever. The idea of staying in this world, constantly always having to go to school and always having to go to work, and always having to pay bills and always having to do all this stuff, not exactly a lot of fun. Not exactly anybody's dream idea. Getting, getting older and kind of having to deal with the, with the problems that we have, it's just no fun. Nobody actually wants that. Nobody actually simply wants to live on this earth forever. And that's why we celebrate the ascension. That's why, dare I say, the apostles sprang and left the ascension with joy. Because they recognized that that's what they had in store for them. They recognized that that desire that they had that couldn't be quenched in this world could be quenched in another world. And that another world was accessible through Jesus Christ. That other world, that other place, that heaven was accessible through following him. And that's what's so beautiful about what we're experiencing. The fact of the matter is, is that in the ascension, you and I can contextualize the desires that you and I experience here and now. What it shows us is that the joy that we experience, albeit small, albeit fleeting, is still a gift. It's still a treasure. It's still something you and I don't deserve. But the beautiful part about it is that you and I know that there's more to come. If we had no ascension, and if we merely had resurrection, the joys that we experience would be never enough, and we'd be constantly looking and craving and, and fighting and clawing our ways to joys and grace and all this other stuff, which spawns jealousy, which spawns anger, which spawns war, which spawns hate, and which spawns nothing that you and I want to be a part of. But with the ascension, with our eyes set to heaven, suddenly the beautiful things that happen in our lives become magnified. Suddenly the beautiful things in our lives become 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 that much more pure, that much more gracious. For the simple fact of this, the joy that you have in your life whenever you experience a new marriage, whenever you experience a new relationship, a new job, a new anything, or for instance, whenever my friend experiences a new priesthood, that joy is not just simply a fulfillment of a desire in our heart. What that joy is, is a glimpse of heaven. A glimpse of our destiny. A glimpse of what is to come. And what is to come, my dear friends, is a point where you and I's hearts will be fulfilled. And that you and I will be able to rest forever in Jesus Christ, knowing that he is the fulfillment of all desire. Amen.